Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I believe it's episode 179. Damn. Your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up? Yeah, how's it going out there tonight, guys? Other than, I mean, I don't know how it is in Jersey, Archie, but it is windy as fuck. Uh, here same here. It's it's 25 degrees, windy, and it's raining every now and then. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we're not, there's no coal for rain, but it's just raining. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was expecting, I was expecting internet problems because <coughs> I don't know why, but for some reason, where we live, the wind can affect the internet. I haven't figured that one out yet. No, it, it affects it here, too. It affects it here, too. So don't just feel it's Ohio. You know, if, uh, I used to have a running joke with the satellite people when I had a satellite TV because, like, it would get windy. And this, and I understood the satellite would move, but it would stay in the same direction because I would check it on my TV to see where it was pointing. And they'd be like, well, no, the wind affected. I'm like, but how bad could it affect it? Right. It's not moving. It's not. It didn't blow off my, my, my roof. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I guess these are things we will never understand. No. That's why we don't work for those companies. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this week on the show, we are continuing. And this one actually wasn't as... uh, Okay, so there's a reason why this show is on the, as we called it, the fall of fuckery, but we're now in the winter. But um, talking about bad shows. The reason I classified this one as bad, as a bad show, there were a couple of things. But in reality, it's not a terrible show. It it's is a solid brawl. Yeah. Fall Brawl 1995 WCW. Um, and Aaron, anything before we start talking about Fall Brawl? Uh, not really. Um, it's, I really don't have anything. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, the, the reason, and I'll say this now and, and we'll get into it later. The reason that I... <laughs> kind of classify this one on the bad show part i mean obviously it's not new blood rising which we discussed on the last episode which is the worst wrestling pay-per-view of all Jeez. time that's the determination we came to Jeez. the reason i put this one up there is because this one has a it, it, it's it's the it's the what i want to say it's the peak of the hulk hogan centric booking of wcw right which means that the war games was used very cartoonish. Without a and doubt. And that, that's that's one of the things that, that puts this on a on a bad scale for me. And there's one other thing too. Well, a couple other things too, but we will get into that. So um again, uh, just go ahead, Aaron. I was just gonna say, like, you know, when like we watched ECW December just to dismember, and we were like, you know, this show is actually better than what the narrative is of it and everything right. like that. Um, and like I said, this isn't a, this isn't a current product podcast, but that's the other thing of it too, is that at the time and you're watching it, you're like, Oh, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. some of this is like, this is a tired <coughs> years. And at this time in 94, you know, you, like you said, it was the Hogan era thing. And, and that was done. Like people did like, people our age did not want to continue seeing Hulk Hogan wrestle Kamala and earthquake and Zodiac. Like we didn't want to see that anymore. We wanted to see like what ECW was doing or or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. But looking at it back now, you're like, this is still kind of better than what 
is on TV now. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for yeah, for pretty much every company. WWE's yeah, getting yeah. WWE's getting better, but I mean yeah. in the time you're watching, you just sometimes remember things as a as a kid, good or bad, you know what I mean? There there's and I don't, I won't talk too much about it now. But the, and it's the flip side too. Like there's things that I really liked when I was a kid or a teenager, like music or television wise, and I watch it or listen to it now, and I'm like, why did I like this? Right. You know what I mean, like I was yeah. when I was a kid, I was a big fan of the band Three Eleven, and I've gotten older, and I'm like, this band sucks. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh great, he's here. <laughs> Mark Brew has joined us. Yes, uh, prime no, example. That's rambling or doesn't no, make any sense. I was going to say prime example for me was a uh, well. It's been more than a few years ago <sighs> because my son's twenty now. But back when he was like ten years old, I was like, "Oh, buddy, on Amazon Prime, one of Dad's favorite cartoons when he was a kid. We're going to watch it together." And it was Masters of the Universe. Right, and we oh, and God. we watched we watched like two episodes, and I was like, "I'm sorry, buddy, you don't have to watch this anymore because it's yeah. fucking terrible." Why did I like that when I was a kid? Mine was hard. You're apologizing now for shit you liked back then. <laughs> Mine was. But, I, I tried to watch the Mario Brothers Super Show with Lou Albano as as Mario, and then the cartoon and everything. I'm like, oh, this is bad. To answer to answer Nate's question though, because we were five and put in front of a television and told watch this. Yeah, yeah. And we we were like, okay. I think I think with I think with Masters of the Universe for me it was because the cartoon and that was their point. The cartoon directly uh, correlated to the action figures that I had. It was meant to sell toys, right? It was like they had the toys ready to go. We got to come up with a cartoon. We got to come up with a cartoon. And I didn't realize it at the time because I was five years old or whatever, right. six years old. But they were just selling me action figures, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, one that does hold up, and I, we'll stop rambling and we'll talk about Fall Brawl, but one that definitely does hold up that I can still watch, I have the whole DVD set. The G.I. Joe cartoon still yes. holds up. Yes. Um, that one's that one's great. Um, it's got, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's it's much more... Well thought out. Well, it was right. It was a more well thought out because I guess they were trying to show you uh, how great the army was and the Nate, you know what I mean? It was about, you know, military and things like that. So for them to make it too cartoony, it wasn't going to reach what they wanted because let's face it, that was a giant, hey, Uncle Sam wants you uh, ad at the end of the day, you know? And and, and D.I. Joe has cool villains. (coughs) Anything that has cool villains is cool. Right. But as a kid, I didn't like, see, this is the bad part. And I'm sorry to get off base for a second, but I, I'm sure we all felt this way. As a kid, I didn't like the villains. As a kid, I was a G.I. Joe kid, you know what I mean? Same I like way I was a Hulk Hogan fan. I was a, you know what I mean? I was an Ultimate Warrior fan. Nah, and, I, was a, I was a villain guy even as a kid. Really? Really? Yeah. Damn. So it was just me. I was totally <laughs> about the heels and every aspect of everything. So I was the only, wait, I was the only pussy who liked the faces? <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take it. The uh, I just like wanted, I said, yeah, I wanted to be able to just go by and just smack some other kid in the head and just go Cobra. Cobra. And then, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. Or like, or like me. Even back then, I was a Star Wars geek. I wanted to be like the Emperor. You know, like good. Come to the dark side of the Force. But anyway. Getting back to pro wrestling here, we're talking about Fall Brawl 1995, Asheville, 
Asheville, North Carolina, big stomping grounds for WCW. Yes. And um, Flyer Country. September 17th, 1995, 6,600 in attendance for Fall Brawl. And uh, the opening the opening video airs, and it's your standard WCW opening video. Looks like it was made by a high school AV club. Um, I don't know why the, the they had they had a huge television production company, but they just did not put the effort into these these videos for WCW. Now there is a video coming up that's one of my favorites of all time, but we'll get to that later on for different reasons. Um, but the opening match, really good match. It is Brian Pillman against Johnny B. Bad, and the winner will receive a shot at Sting's WCW United States Championship. This was a great match. They they went all out, Nate. They were not, if, you know the statement, they're not holding anything back here. They right. were like put putting each other to the test. Pillman has always been one of my favorites, and Johnny B. Bad, you know, in the beginning part of his career, he was that cartoony, I want to be Little Richard guy, but when he finally took off most of the makeup and he just started being a wrestler, you know what I mean? He was he was much better, you know. So I, I really enjoyed this match from beginning to end. I, I I'm not gonna lie, you guys. I got like I started watching these shows and I got ahead of myself. But so like reading some of my notes, it's making me laugh. <laughs> I was a little I was a little tipsy. I do remember that. I was a little drunk when I was watching this. Like my first notice, Johnny B. Bad botched throwing a frisbee. You know, it's like he throw, he's throwing. <laughs> he botches throwing a frisbee, like he tries to throw it down to people and he hits the ropes. So my first notice, Johnny B. Bad botched throwing a frisbee. Fucking dink. <laughs> but anyway, but the match itself is actually and and is actually really good. Mark Marrow, Mark Marrow, say what you will about him. When he before his before his knee injury in ninety seven, well late ninety six, early ninety seven. Sometimes his his personality could be pretty grating. Okay, I was not a huge fan of his personality, but when the bell rang, the guy was actually pretty fucking good. Yes. Um, yes, for a guy what two fifty, he could fly. Yes. And like I said, I was never a big fan of his promos and stuff and all that. And, you know, especially in the WWF, I'm going to get wild. But he was anyway, terrible in the WWF. But, I mean, once the bell rang, you know, it's like they have that expression where they say, hey, that guy's a great personality, but once the bell rings. It's kind of the opposite with Johnny B. Bad with me. Like, I, I, I will fast forward past his promos, but I definitely right. watch his matches, you know. And he held, up, he held up his end with Brian Pillman in this match. I don't think Brian right. Pillman carried him at all. No, to me, it's it's it's. I don't think he carried him, but I think Mark Marrow is a guy. He's the guy. I don't want to say it. I think he works instead of making people work his style. He work. He kind of works to whoever he's in the room. I could agree with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, <clears throat> like you're gonna go out there and you're we're gonna have the best goddamn match we can have. He's just like, okay, you know, let let's. Do what you can do, and and we'll we'll get through it. Type of thing. To me, that's mm-hmm. what I've gathered from his matches and stuff. The the good part about these guys is they had similar styles. A little bit on the ground, a little bit in the air. Mostly, you know, trying to knock their opponent out. So it, they meshed well. They had a great chemistry. 
throughout the entire match. There was no moment where he went, okay, he fucked up, and now Pillman's going to beat the crap out of him because he messed up. You know, they were on an even keel. Mark, your, uh, your opinion? I knew from the beginning of this match to the end of this match that this was going to be one long-ass show. <laughs> Ask Archie. I texted him, and no, I was he, like, he, I mentioned that the night before we started. So long. And you, you mentioned, you said, why was this such a long curtain jerker? And I finally thought of an answer for you because I laughed when you said it. <laughs> they didn't have the cruiserweights yet, so they didn't have that 15-minute match that they could put on with a Rey Mysterio and a, a Dean Malenko, you know what I mean, or a, a six-man tag somewhere along the match, uh, right. the card. So these two, they told these guys, look, we got five or six matches on this card, and we got to kill two and a half hours before we get to Hogan. So just go out there and give us your best. And they did. Well, for a year, that was Johnny's job. If you watch yeah. WCW pay-per-views, it was Mark Morrow's job to open up the show. Because he and it makes sense, because you know, he, he can have a good match, and his character is like flamboyant and flashy and shit like that. And the crowd loved him. Yeah. So right out the bat, like right out the shoot, there's this like charismatic, glittery guy shooting fucking streamers and shit. So it gets the people going. It was it was his job. That was that. I mean, how many pay per views opened with Diamond Dallas Page versus Johnny B. Bad in 1994? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that was his gig. And and to uh, to answer Mark's curtain jerker question, um, also keep in mind at this period of time, there was a show that was on before each pay per view, the main event. Yep. Um, so actually, your opening match for the show was during that broadcast. You know, so I guess I, I I'm not you know I know on the pay per view this was the opening match, but for the crowd. This was like the fourth or fifth match, you know. So, um, so yeah, yeah they, they were probably ready to see a thirty-minute match. <laughs> right. I was just like, "Holy hell!" Well, let, let me let me let me look real quick here. Just, um, I'll bring up the Wikipedia. So here's what here's what the crowd saw before we got to Johnny B. Bad <laughs> and Brian Pillman. Big Bubba Rogers defeated Mark Thorne. Ooh. Disco Inferno defeated Joey Mags. God. Alex Wright wrestled Eddie Guerrero to a no contest, which sounds great, but it was only six minutes long. Still probably good. The American Males defeated the Nasty Boys. So there you go. That's what, you know, you had those yeah, matches. That so. was five matches. That was the fifth match. So right. they were not ready for a barn burner, I reckon. But it essentially goes to a 20 minute time limit and they go into overtime. Um, and reason being is the backstory. The reason they actually go into overtime is because there has to be a winner because the winner is facing Sting for the United States Championship. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the match. I was just like, holy hell, this is long. <laughs> and uh, Johnny B. Bad goes over here and um, he's going to be wrestling Sting on Nitro for the now, US title. But that's not part of our show. Nate, I had a, a small, small, and it wasn't, it didn't. I wasn't mad at it, but it bothered me slightly. The finish, because they both collided mid-ring, which we've seen that spot a million times in matches where both guys go for a, a splash and both guys nail each other in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then Be Bad actually hangs on and then just hooks. Doesn't even hook Pillman's leg. He just puts his body on Pillman and just like, okay, the match is over. And right. I get it. They went, went at it for 30 minutes. It was a, a tough match. But 
I would have liked to have seen, you know, at least a leg hook because it was just like, okay, Pillman just gave up. You right. know what I mean? After yeah. 30, 30 great minutes, Pillman was like, take it, pin me. I'm done. <laughs> you know? Speaking of Johnny B. Bad and finishes, it's just out of the blue. You know, one of my favorite finishes in wrestling history involves Johnny B. Bad. Okay. It is on a random episode of WCW Saturday Night, I think from like 94, 95. And Johnny B. Bad comes off the top rope to do the, uh, oh, what's it? It's like the sunset flip, but off the top rope yep. to pin the guy. So he comes off the top rope to do that to whoever his opponent was. I don't even remember who it was. And he accidentally did it to referee Mark Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> so then Mark Curtis, Mark Curtis disqualifies Johnny B. Bad. Oh my and I was god! Like that is a fun ass finish. Like I will never right? forget that. And I can't. I don't know. I haven't been ever been able to find it again. It's on. Like I said, it was on some random WCW Saturday Night. I don't remember who Johnny B. Bad wrestled, so I can't find the match. But yeah, That's I was funny. That, that was like that is a neat ass finish. And I bet Mark Curtis came up with it because he was a smart dude, right? You know, Ryan Hildebrand. But uh, yeah, anyway, random, random. I know, but. All right, so the next match on this show, we go from we go from sugar to shit here. Well, hold on, yeah. Is that like I said? I got my notes. oh no, yeah, flair the flair promos next. Sorry, I don't have any notes on the actual flair interview. The only thing I got is in 1995, Mean Gene Okerlund was starting to look like the BTK killer. <laughs> I agree. He looked weird through this whole show. <laughs> he looked like the BTK killer. <laughs> He looked rattled. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yes. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> big time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that's what he called? That's what he called like the climax. Not getting too far into the weeds here. That's what BTK called like the thrill of his kill. Like, you know, like people be like, oh man, I was so jacked. I was this or that or whatever. In his notes, like his his, he's Sparky Big Time. That's what he called it. Sparky Big Time. <laughs> but anyway, Gene looks like Sparky Big Time BTK. <laughs> well, he's interviewing Ric Flair about one of the biggest mistakes anybody ever made in booking Ric Flair. How stupid an idea, and we'll get to it when we get to the match, but how stupid of an idea was it to have Ric Flair wrestle Arn Anderson? Neither one of them wanted to do it. No. You know, I agree with you to a certain extent. But all the other horsemen eventually fought each other. You know, Wyndham and Flair, Luger and Flair, Luger and Anderson. I think even Arn and Tully might have been involved in a match somewhere on a, an indie show or something. You know what I mean? So I understand that they wanted to cause some small rift in the horsemen of it only being Flair and, and Arn at the time because, you know, Roma was just being Roma. But I, I, I like the feud. I didn't like the ending of it, but we won't get into that. I, I like the feud, though. I like that they yeah. made these two guys go finally, finally go at it. I'm, 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 I'm of the opposite. I just, I don't, and I have never, <coughs> I have never been a fan of, um, or I, I guess I won't say never been a fan of, but rarely does it even work for me in wrestling when brothers feud with each other right i get it I, I don't i don't know i just i've never like the steiners right the only one that i was owen and brett yeah owen and brett worked and it almost and got a, ruined by a, kicking his leg out of his leg 
to to a certain extent to a certain extent matt and jeff worked when they yeah. broke up yeah, but, i liked it better in tna than i did wwe but yeah but i i just i i don't know and, and again getting in the weeds no i understand me, what you're saying me, though it was like to me it's like arn and arn and flair were the nucleus right and yeah sure everybody else broke off or everybody else feuded with each other or whatever but it just to me Arn Anderson and Ric Flair should have just always been. And this doesn't last long, folks, for those of you that don't know the history. They 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 realize quickly this doesn't work. But yeah. But anyway, um all of like you said, brothers shouldn't fight each other. Um and they should it's like I uh um I was just gonna before you even brought that up, I've been like, Archie, it would be like me and Nate having a fight. Right. I'd be I mean, upset about like, it. I'd try to pull you apart. I agree. That's never going to happen. Right. Like, I'm his, I'm his arn. You know what I mean? Like, I got his six. I don't care if I'm as, not as successful as he is, but if anybody tries to take this shit away from him, I'll knock more fucking ass. Oh, of course. Of course. It's not that we it's not that we can't have our spats or whatever, but we're never going to, like, have a knock, as Brett oh, would look, say, a knockdown drag out. Look, I got yeah. two. I got two younger brothers, and I have a, a a sister who's only one year younger than me. And I understand what you guys mean. I can talk about my brother, and I can mess around with him, and I love him, and I can do what I want. But at the end of the day, I ain't gonna let nobody get in him. But also, I would never let it come to us feuding. Yeah, we're gonna have right. our arguments. We're gonna have our problems. But in wrestling, it's always. I mean, even in modern day, we got Rey Mysterio about the feud with Dominic. You know I what hate I mean? That. So I hate, I hate that. it too. I but I hate it for other reasons. But that's fine. Uh, but in in this regard, the reason I liked it is because they finally allowed Arn Anderson to say the truth. I held off on becoming a world champion because of you. I kept myself in the background because of you. I was protecting you, and you're still shitting. And now you're shitting on me the way everybody else did. So. I kind of I dug Arn at this point somewhat more than I I like Ric Flair, mm-hmm. you know. The next match, the next match we get here is uh, well, it's a it's it's a stinker for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. we have um, Craig Pittman, and he is wrestling Cobra. Yeah, we got bogus. We got bogus thing versus Rock from that TV sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the of of note here um, to distract Cobra as he is he- as he is supposed to be heading to the ring. Uh, Craig Pittman sends out a private, which is actually Prince Iakea. Um, <laughs> if anybody noticed, I that. didn't notice that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's Prince Iakea, but at this point he's playing he's playing the uh, he's he's playing Craig Pittman's privates. <laughs> but anyway, um, Craig Pittman repels from the ceiling um, and makes short work of Cobra, who of course, uh, as Aaron you know alluded to, is fake Sting, Jeff Farmer. You, you know what else he repels? Viewers, yeah, Troy. wrestling fans. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anybody got anything on this? Thing? Um, I, I, I had a problem with this entire feud because Craig Pittman came in, and I get it. He was this bullish, uh, I'm you know, a uh, drill sergeant, and you know, he was basically Buddy Lee Parker, but you know, a little taller. 
and you know he he was beating everybody up and you know doing what he was doing and then all of a sudden this strange message started to come true and you deserted me and you you know i want my revenge and that that to me should have made him the face in all of this then because right. someone was trying to come and get him but then here comes jeff, Far- jeff farmer as cobra and then they have a meaningless feud and then jeff farmer goes away and Craig Putman all of a sudden ends up with Teddy Long. So this did nothing for anybody. All yeah. I was going to say is uh, <laughs> at this point, Sting was watching backstage and realized he's got something with that coming down. Yeah, from yeah coming thing. down yeah. from the ceiling thing. There's something yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I like I like him coming down. down. <laughs> and and I think that guy looks like me. Right. <laughs> we might be able to use this somewhere down um, Nate, and this will be my last note of the match. When you were talking yesterday about, and I won't add this to my list because we'll talk about it here, but like, she Atlantis WCW music. Mm-hmm. How about code? Yeah, Force Code. More code. <laughs> but uh, yes, like like Aaron said, uh, Cobra coming down to Morse Code was silly. This whole thing is silly. Um, I think this was the shortest match on the card. It was like eight minutes. Yeah, and it was actually only like two minutes of a match. Everything right. it was, it was it right. Was the, uh, you really didn't need more than that for this. You could have honestly they should have squeezed it in there quicker. Mark, they could have put this on main event instead of, and they could have <laughs> maybe put Alex Wright and Eddie Guerrero on the pay per view. Right. You know, when you mm-hmm. said that Guerrero was on the you know, <laughs> pre-show stuff, I was like. They should have saved that for this because right. that's more solid. Right. All right. So, it was a solid. Solid dude. This was a solid. Yeah, solid dude. <laughs> <laughs> My connection any better? I don't know. Not really. But, <laughs> um, up next, we get Mr. Wonderful. Oh my god. Oh god. And <laughs> Gary Spivey. Yep. Um Gary Spivey is No relation to Danny Sp- to Dan Spivey. No, and Gary Spivey is a ridiculous human <laughs> being. <laughs> From like, the psychic hotline. Mm-hmm. I, I love how Mr. Wonderful says <clears throat> the worst acting in the world. Gary Spivey of the Psychic Companions Network? Like who talks like that? But uh, Gary Spivey with his weird and okay, I don't know, guys. This is this is me. So I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this Gary Spivey motherfucker. Well, me so too. I I got on the internet and I started researching some Gary Spivey, and he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And people take him seriously as as like a psychic and a medium. They take, yep. they take him Does seriously. Still have that hairstyle, dude. Here's the funniest it's part. Here, here's the punchline. As as he's gotten older, he wears he's bigger wigs. So it's like the it's like the afro. So it's an grown. afro, right? Yes. No. Seriously, it it's like it's gigantic. It it's, never made. It didn't even look like an afro because you could see through it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like all together hair. It looked it like a cage. It was perfectly quaffed. Right. Um, um, like you know that? Remember that scary movie where they where the the fucking uh, state troopers hat keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And yeah. That's what his fucking afro is like. 
<laughs> so that's uh, great. But of all the people to give Paul Orndorff back his killer instinct, the, my the whole thing was he was like, I'm not feeling much like Mister Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you do you guys at this moment? Do you have guys have access? Like, could you look at our Facebook group chat while we're talking? <laughs> yes. No, I don't. I don't have one. <laughs> oh, darn it. Well, Mark, here it comes. A modern day picture oh, of Gary Spivey. Oh, that ain't fair. And his <laughs> that ain't fair. I'll look it up later. <laughs> it is gigantic. But yeah, so the 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 gist of this is that Mister Wonderful's doubting himself, but now Gary Spivey's here to. To get him, get him his confidence back, and Gary Spivey like is said, "What'd like you say? He looks like a urinal cake." Yes, he does. <laughs> oh my God, he looks like that dog <laughs> off of Secret Life of Pets. Oh God! <laughs> that was good. That's good. That was good, Mark. <laughs> oh, Thank shit. you, grandkids, for watching that one. <laughs> now I won't unsee that one. Right? <laughs> like, yep. You'll be watching that movie like that's Gary Spivey of the that's Gary Spivey. Network. <laughs> that's good you know what, Nate? You know what also bothered me about this segment is didn't Paul Orndorff eventually end up with the assassin after this? No, he was with the assassin before this. Before this, okay. Yes, because no actually, he wasn't at this like at, <laughs> at this point, at this point, we're actually very close to the end of his in-ring career. Um, we're no, very but wait, close. he's he's, he's is, does it, he? Oh, he already teamed with with Orndor, with Roma, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. No, he's like we're like we're like two months away from when the Horsemen give him the spike yeah pile when him and Pillman get into it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Roma's already been fired, I think. Okay, I I was I wasn't thinking clearly. But now that we've spent a bunch of time on that silly segment, Mister Wonderful getting his. I, oh, one other note that I had about it though is I never realized this before, but if you listen to Gary Spivey during this, he's actually giving you the lyrics for what Mister Wonderful's new song is going to be. Oh, the wonder, the wonderful. Yes, because he's like uh, you're Mister Wonderful, Mister uh-huh. Wonderful, and it, like he's yeah, he kind of. So anyway, he's doing a precursor. Up next, up next is another another train wreck. Yes, it is the WCW TV title match. A guy that never should have had a belt in the first place. Renegade against oh, Diamond man. Dallas Page. That's Dollar Tree Ultimate Warrior. Never <laughs> even a fucking wrestler. I don't even know if he's Dollar Tree Ultimate Warrior. He might be Wish.com Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I think. I think I think what happened with that guy was it? Pakistani supermarket. Multiple. There you go. <laughs> forty nine cent, forty nine rupee. <laughs> like like the toys we're seeing, where it's like Robo Police. Yeah, yep, exactly. It's like Robo Robo Cop's head on like so, a fucking stormtrooper body. So his name would be Ultimate Man. Yeah, yeah. But I was gonna say, or it's like it's like those wrestling figures you see that are just called wrestler or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like the figure, the figure's meant to be Chris Benoit, but it has a mustache or right, like, or you know, eyes. Just... 
Like the machine in his eyebrow. Like the machine put the toy together, Bong, in the manufacturing plant. <laughs> the fucking Pakistan. Well, Pakistani warrior fights Diamond Dallas Page here. For the, Pakistani warrior probably early is a wrestler, but uh, <laughs> right. The TV title, oh, and then not to mention, not to mention, all of this is terrible because also on the outside is Max Muscle. Max Muscle, Jesus, uh, forgot he the existed. Of DDP. The only oh, good oh, thing out boy. here is Kimberly. Yep. Yeah, this I put. I put. All right, these are my. Am I still choppy? Yes. A little, a little. Sorry, guys. You're all right. Know. Don't worry about it. But my notes are Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> the, most part of this, the most part of this match is Kimberly Page. How many fucking gimmicks does DDT need? He's got like a fucking... He's got <coughs> and t-shirts and fucking stogies. He's like, settle the fuck down. And it's basically a former manager versus a dancer. What the fuck is going on? At this point, he was like, bring out Kimberly. Bring out Sullivan, too. I'll show you something more entertaining than this shit. <laughs> and then my last note is, remember when the WC... Remember when the TV championship actually went to people that were good? The bad part about all of this is the Renegade beat Arn Anderson for the TV title. Sure did. So the Renegade is the reason there was a problem between Arn and Flair in the first place because Arn had nothing to do. <laughs> and here's the here's here he, he, he beat. Uh, uh, can I? I, I was going to say one. Arn was supposed to lose the belt to him, and Bischoff wanted to do it in ten seconds. Yeah. And Arn said, "I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lose to some guy in ten seconds. If he wants to win the belt, he's going to have to work." So they did ten minutes, and it was trash. Yep. And Bischoff looked at Ric Flair and was like, "See, told you we should have just did it in ten seconds." Flair was like, "You shouldn't have did it at fucking all." Right. <laughs> Walked away from him. And this whole thing is Hulk Hogan's fault, and here's why. Yep. Here's why. For those of you that don't know, Hulk Hogan <sighs> had an obsession, an obsession with getting his win from WrestleMania <laughs> Six back. Yep. Over the Ultimate Warrior. And then they couldn't come to terms to have the Ultimate Warrior come to WCW. So literally, his idea was they were going to bring this fucking chode in. They were yep. going to dress him up like the Ultimate Warrior, do everything but call him the Ultimate Warrior, have him be Hogan's friend. Then he was going to turn on Hogan, and Hogan was going to beat him. Hence, Hogan was going to get his win back against yep. the Ultimate Warrior by beating a guy that's not the Ultimate Warrior. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I, 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 the thing that always quite familiar though, <laughs> like they did that with Sting. Except <laughs> so I... it wasn't, you know, getting a WrestleMania moment right. back. The best thing I ever remember though about happening with Renegade was when Jimmy Hart turned to the Dungeon of Doom. And Renegade, I think, took on the Giant. The Giant beat him in eight seconds. And then Jimmy Hart came in the in the ring with a wet towel, wiped the R off of the Renegade's face, said, now you're just Rick. Now you're just Rick. And then they went to commercial. And the Renegade was never to be seen again after that. <laughs> and then, sadly, he committed suicide not that long after. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's bad. That's awful. You know, we're, right. we're, talk, we're talking about, about the guy as a wrestler, not a person, right. folks. But, right. Um. 
But yeah, DDP wins this match with a diamond cutter, wins the TV title from Renegade. Thanks to Max. And thanks to Max. Up next, really good match. Yes. The Harlem Heat, <laughs> WCW Tag Team Champions, Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. Lots of good stuff going on here. Not only are the four wrestlers great and have a great tag match, but I am a huge fan of Sherry and Parker. And uh, all of that. Their their storyline was fantastic. Them was getting so together. Uh, there was even a callback to main event earlier in the night because Buck and Slater cost the Nasty Boys the match to the uh, American Males. So it helped in this match later on. And I have to say one other thing. Sherry just kept getting prettier and prettier with age. She was a knockout in this match. Mm-hmm. The outfit, the hair, everything about her. <laughs> so, well, yeah, and, that's, and, why, that's why Carl Parker wanted that nappy dugout. Right. <laughs> that, 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 okay, there's a, there's a thing you t- we talk about a lot when we talk about modern wrestling, and especially like the, the, the approach of, of Vince and anything like Tony Khan, whatever of the past, at least definitely the past decade about horrible comedy in wrestling. This wasn't there, one of them, but that's what I was about to say. When we talk about how there is a place for comedy and wrestling, right? Think something like Colonel Robert Parker and sensational Sherry, right? Is what comedy and wrestling, that's how you do comedy and wrestling. It's funny, but it's, believable right and in the end there's an end game to it where it's not just making these people look like a bunch of fucking morons you know right it was also done tastefully where nobody was demeaned really right Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like now (laughs) now they you know put it all out there like this and you know the more colonel Colonel parker came out of the storyline it is the Colonel better. Parker, Colonel Parker came out of the storyline looking like a pimp because then Medusa wanted him too afterwards. <laughs> so yeah. damn, my, damn. My, my fried pie. <laughs> so, <laughs> by all accounts, in real life, uh, Rob Fuller's dick has an elbow. Totally <laughs> <laughs> gigantic. Well, um, a, a part from this match that I thought was funny, and he was like, "What a knee by by Dirty Dick," <laughs> and I'm like, "What part's the knee?" Right. <laughs> and at this point, Dick Slater was still talented and everything, but he looked like a lunch lady. Yes, yes, yes. He and when he cried, he looked uglier. When he cried, he looked uglier because he was always like <laughs> had that sad face, and it just kept getting uglier and uglier as time what, went on. What, what do you feel about losing your title tonight, Dick Slater? Hoagies and grinders, hoagies <laughs> and grinders, navy beans, navy beans. Um, Meatloaf sandwich. Um, the, the, the Another note that I have here, and, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but um, Harlem Heat was very tight with Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't he actually like get them their start? Yeah, he got it. He got him. He, got, he met him and was like, "You guys should be in the business because you're you're big, you're <laughs> yeah. What one of yeah. my notes here is something that they picked up from Sid. If you notice, what do they do that Sid does, Archie? <laughs> what? When they're coming down the aisle, they're cutting a promo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and that's a lost did art. That. You know, sit, when they're they're coming down the aisle, they're talking to the camera, you know. Yeah. And Sid always did that too. And I was watching this, and I just I never picked up on it before, you know. I, and I was like, damn, he Harlem Heat probably learned that from Sid, you know, or something so, they picked up from Sid anyway. Sound like neck bones, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no thing but a chicken wing on a string. Call your mama. Let her know we're about to wrestle. Yeah. Just, right. I mean, right. <laughs> that's 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 something Sid. You know, Sid would always cut the promo coming down the aisle. So you might be right. You just might a be little. Right. Just and a that's little a lost art. You don't see wrestlers doing that anymore. They just walk to the ring or run. Uh, they got to hit their over choreographed pose and stuff. Right. To his credit, John Cena does it. But anyway. Yeah, but <laughs> he's John Cena. <laughs> That's because he's a smart worker and knows right. what he's doing. That's what I meant by John Cena. <laughs> like I said, this match is really good. There's some great stuff in it. I don't know if anybody has any specific spots, but the Nasty Boys come out toward the end and uh, hit Dick Slater with his own boot. Looked a little stiff, too, because like yeah. some, some, oh, yeah. some spit came out of his mouth when they hit him. <laughs> with these guys, it's going to be what? stiff. I was just saying, like, no one else going to say anything. Like, oh, he hit Dick. I got a copy connection. You guys are gonna have to pick this shit up. Come on now. <laughs> well, the, the Harlem Heat, because of that, win the tag team championships. All in the meantime, while this is going down, Colonel Parker and uh Sherry are in the other ring smooching, doing like the greatest comedic makeout session you've ever seen. It's fantastic. I, I loved Bobby Heenan on commentary during this because Tony Schiavone's going, what are they going to do in that ring? What are they doing? And Bobby knew, they're going to kiss. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Bobby knew. The only other note I have is, and I'll go to my grave saying this, is uh, Jimmy Golden, uh, Bunkhouse Bucks, super underrated. Definitely. In my opinion, as a worker, as a talent, as a character, that fucking dude is great. As the dad yeah. of Jack, Jack Swagger, <laughs> um, the after match interview is great. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> first of all, to him with bone barrels. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, uh, Gene Okerlund, you know, is great here. He's like, <laughs> he goes. <laughs> The, of course, Buck is Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater are confronting um, Parker about being love struck, you know, struck by the love bug, I think is how they put it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gene Okerlund's great because he goes, I, I had to write it down. He goes, Look at you, Parker. You look disgusting because <laughs> he's all sweaty. And, <laughs> and any, anyway, and, uh, and, and another thing that I, that I had to say was it must be also. Mark, you can tell me. I mean, I know because my wife's from Kentucky. But there's so many things because we're from Aaron and I are from Ohio, but we were raised in the ghetto. All right. And then there's so many there's but there's so many common things between the South and the ghetto. And one of them is at, at Colonel Parker uses the expression here. He says he's going to make sure Buck and them 
get the title back. And that's a ghetto expression, mm-hmm. like Craig and them, you know, like right. he's like, <laughs> and there's only other one part, there's only other one other partner, Slater's, but he didn't say Buck and Slater, he said Buck and them. I'm gonna make sure Buck and them get the title back. Well, I, try, anyway. I try telling people that all the time that there is not a very big difference between like redneck other than like the music and maybe the clothes there's not a big difference between like like redneck living and ghetto living there's not a big I, difference i agree with that <laughs> nope at, at no. some point there's a car with the tires on <coughs> you, know, you know what i mean right like, there's fried chicken there's fried chicken. There's it's like there's exp- there's like the vernacular, you know the the right. like you said, Craig and them, Buck and them, like it's it's yeah, it's very similar. I I like when he was like, I done got serious about that woman. Yeah, <laughs> you, I done you all, I done got serious about that girl. You all don't understand. I got serious about that girl over there. <laughs> A little fried pie. <laughs> now my favorite comment of the whole night, though, again, Bobby Heenan. As they were walking up the, the aisle, getting to the you know, Grillin, Bobby Heenan said, had she kissed Gene like that, he would have disintegrated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he said he, no, he, he, said he would have expired. expired. Yeah. He, yeah. He expired. And then you pant the Gene O'Krillin's face and he's just like, really, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we move on. Mean Gene interviews Arn Anderson, an impassioned promo from Arn. Arn is an an underrated promo guy. When people talk about the best promo men in the business, they don't talk enough about Arn Anderson. Um, I would say Arn Anderson is as good a promo as Ric Flair, just in a different way. You know the saying, Nate, speak softly and carry a big stick? Mm -hmm. That's Arn Anderson to me. Because even when he was yelling, he was telling you something important. It wasn't just yelling for the sake of yelling. And when Arn Anderson spoke, you heard every word. And, and you knew what he was serious. And he didn't start out yelling. Right. You know? He he would get and, he would and, get up to that when he would get passionate. And how many people can cut a passionate, engaging, intimidating promo while wearing like those glasses? You know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> I wanted as a kid I wanted those glasses. Or when he would wear a fedora. <laughs> that I didn't want. <laughs> that was back when he would say, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. And also, <laughs> also, how can you be scared of a man who looks like a teddy bear? Apparently, he holds, he has a gun, so he, 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 he can't, he's not really a teddy bear. He's a grizzly. <laughs> and then we get, of course, the match between Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. One thing I uh, did note... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, I just... When somebody says the match between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, it's my natural reaction is just to go. Ugh. <laughs> the the, and we'll get into the meat of the matter here. But I did think one thing, a very nice touch, was having the wrestlers come out. Yes, you know, yes. I thought that was a really nice touch. You don't you know? see that anymore. No, and and to say the it, this match is so important. And so historic that all the guys in the locker room want to come out and watch. They the want to watch. They want to see these two guys work. Mm-hmm. You know, they want they want to watch the masters at play, so to speak. Um, and this, so. Sorry, I just thought of this. You know, I just thought of the only way that this would have worked. The okay. only way Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair would have worked. And you know how it would have been? 
if they would have been able to, and it would have never happened because of everything that happened. It, like this would have only worked if Tully was involved. Yeah, Tully cut his weight on. Yeah, yeah, that's the only person like Tully being like this guy, you know? Because I can see Tully, you know, I, Tully, I can see Tully Blanchard turning on Ric Flair, you know. It was almost you know, like you were know, working up to that, right? Could, if not Tully, could you have done it with Oli? Yeah, like have I don't know Oli come in and then Rick and him yeah, get but, some beef, and then Arn's like, "You ain't gonna fuck with my brother." Yeah, but hold on, hold on. If we remember back in the eighties when they were bringing Luger in, and they made that comment about I don't, you know, Oli only cared about his son and going to baseball games. Like, Arn turned on Oli pretty quickly back then. You know what I mean? He was there beating the crap out of him when all the rest of the horsemen were. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it could have been maybe with JJ or with Tully, but I don't think Oli or any of the other horsemen would have actually gotten Arn to sway. The yeah. match, the match is um, when I watch the match, I can tell that these two guys didn't want to have this match. Right. Right. There is right. Rick Flair's there. Arn Anderson's there. But it is it is nothing like what that was. That was one of them days they dreaded coming into work. Right, you know, yeah. that, you know they, that feeling when you wake up and, and you got to go, and you're just like, yeah. "Fuck, I don't want to do this." They, or the, they, yeah, the night before, you're just sitting there trying to enjoy watching TV or whatever, but you're like, "Uh." No, they were on the phone the night before. Are you sure you want to do this? I guess we have to. <laughs> well, in Flair's in, in Flair's book, in Flair, I don't know if you guys ever read Flair's book, but. It'll be fair telling his story, and then it'll be interjected. There'll be like comment blocks or whatever of people that were involved in it, like saying their stuff on it. And Arn's in there. He said he puked in a fucking trash can right before he went out. I'm sure. But he was like, I do not want to do this. This shouldn't be happening. And he was so amped up and nervous about it that he fucking threw up. And then he had to go out there and wrestle Ric Flair. It's like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to do this. You, you could tell they were both. I guess the best way to put it, we're wrestling with kid gloves on, mm-hmm. like not trying to hurt each other or risk something. So they were, you know, a little more, they were trying to take care of each other a little too much, you know, right. to make sure both looked good, but didn't, didn't do anything wrong. They so. were both like, this is my road dog. I don't want right. to do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the match goes down. Like I said, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of notes on it. I just they were, it was it was almost awkward to watch I, them I wrestle noticed each one other. Thing too, though, Nate, which mm-hmm. really I think was the right move. I mean, or it should have been the move going forward after that. Mm-hmm. Arn comes out to the ring to somewhat booze. Flair comes out to obviously cheers because Flair mm-hmm. was a, a face back then. But then halfway through the match, the fans start popping for Arn. Right. And it's almost like they did a switch because Flair starts using dirty tactics. So now, you know, even though we know, what, I'm not, I'm not going to mention the ending yet because you haven't gotten there, but even though we know what happens, in my opinion, Arn should have been the babyface here because when you hear Arn speak about giving up the world title shots, protecting Flair, being there for him, always being there for him, and never, even though everybody else left, I stayed. You know what I mean? Arn mm-hmm. was, was the face in this in this picture, but they gave it to Flair. You know, right. Well, any notes on the match before we go to the finish? Uh, 
I just know that I noted that Bobby Heenan wrote that the people at home are staying up out of their rented furniture. <laughs> Leaving the air in the front to find that little tidbit. Like, yes, that's Bobby name. was always gold. You couldn't, there was never a chance. Bobby always took a shot, no matter what. Yeah. Brian Pillman gets involved in this match um, and kicks Ric Flair in the head, which gives Arn Anderson the victory. And that's one other thing I'll say. The two best things about this are, again, the touch of having the wrestlers watch, want to watch the match. Secondly, right. if you're going to have your match between Flair and Arn Anderson. Can't be a best, clean finish. And the best finish is for Arn to go over. Yes. Um, yes. That was the best decision. If you have to have the match, if you feel you right. have to do it, right. Arn going over is the best decision. Ric Flair could never also, be hurt by a loss. <laughs> so it made sense. The other good thing about it is that we're moving into Brian Pillman being a fucking role that he should have always been with. Right. A fucking heel. Like, like when, when the what's the Hollywood Blondes for? Like, why did you ever think, oh, we should make this guy a fucking baby face again? Right. <laughs> right. Anyway. Honestly, see, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off Aaron a little bit. Honestly, because I mean, the, the, the horseman, Flair and Arn, fought the Blondes in a, in a tag match at Clash of the Champions one year. Honestly, the Blondes would have been, both of them, both Austin and Pillman, would have been perfect fits for a, to be horsemen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if this was your natural move of putting Pillman in there, you should have just put the Blondes back together and put them in with, with Arn and, and, and Flair. Right. You know? Well, I mean, it was like you said, too, though, about the whole thing. If you're going to have the match, it was a smart move for Arn to go over. And like Archie said, you know, it wasn't going to hurt Flair. Not lose. one bit. Because at the end of the day, he's still the fucking nature boy. Right. He, and right. like he said in that last promo that he cut for that match with Jarrett and them, he was like, I'm a big fucking deal. He knew I'm a big fucking deal. Right. Like I can, I can give my buddy the rub here and everything's going to be all right. Cause I can still make my money. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now, Nate, look at the difference too. We talked about this on, uh, Aaron's show a couple of nights ago. And when you talked about it at the beginning of the show, the, the, the Hogan era of creative control and the mm -hmm. Piper era of creative control during that time, Obviously, Ric Flair had creative control over his character. He's Ric Flair, and he just, he came back to the company a couple of years later. You know what I mean? Only a couple of years ago. I guarantee you, he said, I want to put Arn over. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. he was unselfish at that point. And he still is, but you you, you know, at that point, he was like, give Arn the rub. Why not? He's worked right. for it. Right. Oh, for sure. Most definitely. You know. So now we're heading into our main event here of Fall Brawl. Uh, and uh. I want to say this before we get to it, though. One of my favorite things, Aaron knows this, one of my favorite things in the history of pro wrestling because of the absolute insanity of it is this Kevin Sullivan video. <laughs> See, this, I... Kevin, this Kevin Sullivan. Nobody said life was going to be easy. And, <laughs> yeah, and I was going to... I was gonna timestamp it, but with how chopping my shit is, can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, if you haven't seen it, folks, it's 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 fun stuff from Kevin Sullivan. Uh, the dungeon dome. This is my favorite part. Well, when he's standing on his head, it's great, but when he's like, "Dungeon and dome, we got you some poses." 
Well, they've expired. <laughs> they expired. And then, you know, you go through all this insanity, and um, it, and then he has that moment where he's just like, as evil as he can possibly be, you know? Um, yeah. I, forget what he, I forget what he says. Yeah, we're going to beat you up. We're going to kill you. Yeah, like he's, he's standing on his fucking head yeah. <laughs> against the cage and shit. It's like he's, he's beating the action figure. He's beating beating the action figure with the little shovel. And yeah. I don't know. It's just it's good stuff. It is good. It is. It, good it ass is. Kevin Sullivan stuff. It's like Kevin Sullivan in Florida in the early eighties stuff. You know. Um, yeah. And then when they come back, it's great because Bobby and Tony are sitting there. They're just like, well, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now that we've watched that Let's shit. move into this man. <coughs> like, what the what fuck was all the, good <laughs> all the good that Sullivan did in his promo gets immediately ripped apart because you go to the Hogan promo with the, his team and Jimmy Hart starts screaming, because they're born in the USA, baby, and they're going to take it down. And yeah, we're going to do it for the red, white, and blue. And all I'm thinking is, but they're not fighting anybody from another country. Well, Kamala. Kamala was from the United States. He was from Uganda. No, Uganda. no, no. Okay. What are you going to tell me next? Ming was from, uh, where, where, where is he? He's, he's Samoan. So, okay. So he's from Polynesia. Hey, Ke Kevin Sullivan's from the Conk Republic. Yeah, <laughs> my point is, he acted like they were going up against Sergeant Slaughter and Colonel Mustafa. You know what I mean? Why are you? Nobody should be chanting USA right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and of course the team is Hulk Hogan, Sting, Randy Savage, and Lex Luger. Because uh, can, I, can I say one thing about the Dungeon of Doom? Go ahead. And uh, it might, and you guys might say I'm wrong or whatever. The Dungeon of Doom could have worked. And Nate, do you know how the Dungeon of Doom could have worked? Without Hulk Hogan? No. Oh. The Dungeon of Doom could have worked if they would have did it like they did it, like Kevin Sullivan did his shit in Florida. Well, yeah. 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 It wasn't like cartoonish. It was just this, this collection of fucking freaks. Right. You know what I mean? That would have worked, but with them being like in the do like in the dungeon and the water, well, I mean, hot, but it's cold. Right, it's, the water's hot. it's not even hot. There's but no Hulkamaniacs here. Yeah, but if that would have just been them, this cavalcade of freaks, it would have worked. But it could have still worked with the dun with them being in that dungeon. But the fact that they made Ming put on a dragon helmet. <laughs> and, and Brutus Beefcake paint himself up like they did. Yes, no, you know what I mean? And being the Zodiac and the shark being dressed like a shark. I mean, he could have named it still been shark, but they didn't have to put fins on the guy's face and Vader, write on his forehead shark. Vader wanders into the dungeon of do or the, the dungeon or whatever it is, and he's in his tights and shit. And then <laughs> like it's like it's like their 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 dungeon world is at the arena because you've wandered into it right after you've had a match and right. it was just all so fucking surreal. It was ridiculous. But if it would have been like promos at like the stage or whatever, like it was in Florida, it would have worked. For the most, it, it would have still been bad, but it would have been, <laughs> been more at, le at least a, at least a little more believable. Yeah, right. Um. But yeah, this is this is by far um, 
And there are some talented guys in this match, don't get me wrong, but this is by far the worst War Games match ever. And this is not this is this is like cartoony Hulk Hogan and his cast of merry characters fuckheads in the right. war games. It right. just uh, oh man, what a terrible and, use and, of war and, games. And Savage doesn't trust Luger, but Sting's given Luger this is when Sting originally started back at a Luger and Vader just exited the company, which I think Vader would have been great in the match. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and then it, it was just, I, I don't know. And then, like like I said, you have all these guys for the Dungeon of Doom dressed up like these movie monsters, but not scary at all. And then Hogan and his crew are dressed up for war. Yeah, with mm -hmm. camo face paint and shit. But Hogan went so far as to put it on his damn bald spot. <laughs> just one strip. of It looked like he had a, 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 a skid mark on his head. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, <laughs> in real life, I'm trying to think of like I'm I'm like imagining Randy Savage and Haku like looking across the ring at each other, being like, "Really? <laughs> right? <laughs> we came here for this." <laughs> I mean, like they had the stars aligned, but they didn't shoot the moon on that one. No, and, you know I mean, I guess I guess even though it's again, I said this, none of this should have ever happened in the War Games environment. I guess the one thing where they showed us some forgiveness, because, you know, a, a War Games match is supposed to be like 40 to 45 minutes. Right. Imagine if this would have went that long. At least this only no. went 18 minutes. Right. They hurried it along. Uh, you goddamn right they did, because that would have, I mean, this already stunk. That. <laughs> That would have that would that would have stunk sideways if they now, tried to make the like the normal length of a war games match. Now riddle me this: after the ending of the match, we know what happens. Why didn't that happen before the ending of the match? They're the dungeon of doom. They're heels, right? Now we've all seen bad blood, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels when Kane rips the door of the cage right. off, right? Why couldn't the giant come out and rip the door to the damn cage off and get involved in the match and help the dungeon of doom? Yeah, oh, yeah. There's so much wrong with this. You know what I mean? It, it could have still ended. It could have still ended in a Hogan win, but yeah. at least you could have involved the main aspect of the of the feud, the giant, the son of Andre, and Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. have a giant got involved in this match. Well, okay, so <laughs> you watch Zod a different one than me, damn it. <laughs> Zodiac Zodiac submits to Hogan, which ends the war games, which means yeah, Hulk that's, Hogan. that's the last note I have is uh, after, Hogan. What did you kill it after that? Because <laughs> well, I'm saying I was breaking. <laughs> oh, okay. And the last note I have is winner after Hogan butt fucks Ed Leslie into submission. <laughs> so after the movie was butt fucking him. The, st the stipulation was that if Hogan's team won, he got five minutes alone with Kevin Sullivan inside the cage. And that's even cartoonier. Yes. <laughs> so we proceed with that, and then the giant comes out. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, or, or rather answer me this question. Why the hell did Sting, Savage, and Luger leave ringside? Right. 
Yeah, I don't shouldn't know. that have been the <laughs> celebration the giant for all was of coming. them? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, they literally went to the backstage so far, apparently, that the giant made it all the way to the ring, opened the door, and destroyed Hogan. And and did the most cartoony neck break. Yeah, it what was like that? it was it was all it, it was actually worse than Zeus. Right. <laughs> That's right. saying something. <laughs> it looked like he gave him a chiropractic realignment yeah. instead of breaking his neck. And I you like Paul I mean? White. I like Paul White, don't get me wrong. But this wasn't his point, fault. <laughs> no, it wasn't his fault. It was just like, so Hogan should have been like, hey, thanks, brother. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did it did it crack? Yeah. See you next yeah, we're Tuesday. Good. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, dude. You really are the son of my brother, brother. That's all white. Thanks, brother. <laughs> well, it's the chiropractor. That would have hit so different. You know, right? You're gonna get this. He hit it, and then Hogan was like, "Oh, I'm pain free. It's as easy as one, two, three. <laughs> you gotta be from so, Toledo, Ohio, to get he, that." He does that. Sullivan starts motioning <laughs> that here come Sting, Luger, and Seven. I mean, what did they go to catering? <laughs> and then, the, the according to Tony Schiavone, the Giant is the biggest wrestler he's ever seen. Mind you, Andre the Giant was in WCW for a little while. Didn't wrestle, but he did make appearances. Well, Andre, and the, Giant seen, was, oh, Andre the Giant was also in the WWF when Tony was there in 89. Right, right. And Andre, I believe, was 7'5". Yeah. He was yeah. billed at 7'4". Okay. So call him seven. Call him seven three seven four, and to this day, we still don't know if the giant is seven two or seven foot. Because mm-hmm. him and Kevin Nash used to come right up to each other's head. You know what I mean, right to yeah. eye to eye. So it's like it's like some things in in marriage. Some things you're just never gonna figure out. You know, you know? but <laughs> but but this is my point though. Okay, he's the biggest wrestler that Tony Schiavone's ever seen. He just killed Hulkamania in one foul neck break or whatever you want to call it. And then Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage are scaring him off. Shouldn't he have just beat the hell out of all three of them? And I mean, you want to establish a star. Let him take out all four of your baby faces. I don't know. You seen how crazy Mach could get? But, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> it was just a weird ending. It was. And, and like I said, I mean, overall, I would say... That at the end of the day of some of the turd shows that we've watched in, in reviewing for things for this show, this show, this show, this pay-per-view is a mixed bag. Right. Um, I actually I actually gave it two and a half out of five. I'd I go three ex- out of five. If I was if I, I was thinking if I was thinking about it before I watched it. I probably would have said, oh, this is going to be like a one-star show. Oh, I went in with no hope. I was like, oh, God, if this is as bad as the other ones. Because I've watched them all, even though I didn't appear on one of them. I've watched them all. But I went in with no hope. And then I watched Johnny Bad versus Pillman. went, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) You know? So the good outweighed the bad. There were two bad matches. Like, just two, like, this is trash. And it was DDP and Renegade and then the War Games match. I don't even count. I don't even count. I don't even count Cobra and and Pittman as a match. Right, right. So I honestly was like, this isn't as bad as I remember. But that fucking War Games match, it's it's the downfall of War Games. Like like after when they the WCW side, yeah, 
Yeah, they. It's like that's the one cool thing you still have left, and you fucked it up. Like, like they bashed. Like, <laughs> we'll talk about it later. I'm sure we'll, there'll be other shows we talk about, but they they start fucking with the war games, and it doesn't work. It's like don't yeah. fuck with something that works. Mark, your uh, your final opinion on this show? I had to be right there with you, two and a half. Like. <laughs> When you think war games, this is way underwhelming of what you would expect. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm this like, is, this is war games. I, I was like, I know we watch some pretty crappy stuff sometimes, <laughs> but this was like, holy fuck, am I gonna stay awake to the end? <laughs> I just, I just really thought of something. Like I didn't even put this in my notes. I just thought of it. This war games match got produced. And sitting in the backstage area is Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and JJ Dillon. Imagine what they're thinking. Well, no, JJ wouldn't have been there. So it's Arn, Flair, and Dusty are sitting back there, and they're like, this is the fucking war game? (laughs) Dusty's like, this ain't my war game. Yeah, this is not what I envision, brother. (laughs) They are not funky like a monkey, brother. This is not good. I don't jive well with this. <laughs> well, that is it. War Games, the Fall Brawl 1995 show is in the books. The next show we're going to talk about, and the last one in this uh, series of crappy shows that we're discussing, is WWA Eruption. Oh, no. I will not be here for that. What? I, I promise. I, I, will, I, 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 I might be busy that day. I don't know. <laughs> well, I told Nate the only way to end is on, like the best way to end is on an eruption. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Fine, I'll be there. It just depends <laughs> on which end that eruption's coming out. Oh God. Well, you, don't this was that... a, you don't want to end on a fizzle. You want to end on an eruption. Every everything about the WWA was an eruption out of the ass. Yeah. So this <laughs> it is probably going to be diarrhea, cha cha cha. Oh yeah. Well, I will go around the horn here as we always do for parting words. Archie, any parting words for our listeners this week? Uh, please do me a favor and go ahead and keep c- continuing listening to If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'll be recording our my next episode very soon, talking about the Survivor Series and all things wrestling. And please, if you don't mind checking out my new show, the Nothing But Troubled podcast, where myself and seven of my lifelong friends talk about everything except for wrestling. Yes, <laughs> it's a really good show. You should check it out for sure. It is available everywhere. You can find your favorite podcast, except Apple, because I'm still waiting on those motherfuckers as usual. Fuck but Apple. anyway, <laughs> fuck Apple. <laughs> Mark, any parting words this week? Let's hope this eruption is not as bad as this fall brawl. <laughs> it's oh. going to be worse. Oh, oh my friend. It's worse. Ah, so this will be pure torture. Gotcha. This is the it's, worst that it's we're still not. Watching. It's still it's still not worse than fucking New Blood Rising, though. I don't know about that. New Blood Rising is the worst fucking pay per view ever. <laughs> All I can say is bring a towel. Oh, don't forget to bring gotta a have towel. to clean that eruption up, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I ain't cleaning it. Aaron, your parting words can't bring be bring a towel. So why don't you give some party words? (laughs) Can't bang, bring a towel. (laughs) Um, My parting words are like, 
I've said, like I say all the time, support everybody's podcast. Listen to all these guys' shows. Um, if you don't want to listen to mine, that's fine. I just do mine because it gives me something to do. Um, but every show on the on the WrestleNet Radio is really good, and I keep saying it all the time. The best way to support a podcast that you like is is word of mouth. Get it out there, share it with your friends, rate it, review it, and comment, comment, and just help a brother out. Put it out there. Let everybody know. It, we're we're not pretentious. We don't think we're better than what we are. We just know we're as good as we are. If that makes sense. He just channeled his inner Colonel Robert Parker. Help a brother out. Yeah. <laughs> help, help out Nate and them. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Nate <laughs> but, and them. <laughs> and if you and and we we don't mind interacting with y'all. So just holler. Nope. Put, put a fucking ask us questions. We don't give a shit. Right. Well, that's what, what the page is there for. Yeah. So lots, just just support it. Lots of stuff coming up in 2023. I am oh, currently sorry. That's the other thing I was going to say, guys. Support our shit, and we'll support yours. If you put us support, if you put support out towards us, we'll help support you. Every fucking person has a goddamn podcast. So maybe if you just show us a little love and you got a show and it doesn't have shitty audio and it's kind of funny, Nate might pick <laughs> you up. Hang on. That's right. Hang on. I will not support Joe Rogan and his podcast. <laughs> he has no fucking idea who we are. <laughs> <laughs> he might. So what I'll say is there are lots if of Joe Ro- if Joe Rogan's podcast <laughs> if Joe Rogan's podcast was a wrestling dick it would be Robert Parker's dick <laughs> I don't know he's everybody else's <laughs> he might stumble across this and think he's back on Fear Factor oh God uh, no, I'll shut up now Nate Sorry. take us out Nate <laughs> I was just gonna say there are lots of big things coming for the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network in 2023 um, I e I have started uh, working on we are going to have some video elements as far as YouTube goes. We're going to have some streaming elements as far as Twitch goes. Um, these things are coming. And also, my favorite thing of the year, I sent out the uh, the information to all the panelists um, the other day. The We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame is coming, class of 2022. Woo. So we're getting that started now. And um, uh, we have actually a couple of new panelists this year. Um, with with all the other guys that are that are on the panel, um, Aaron, I know you know Chris Zaha. He is going to be on the panel this year. Fucking Kevin Nash. He's like Kevin Nash. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> milky thousand percent Kevin Nash. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna message me when he hears this and be like, "Fuck it, I'm not gonna be on your panel." Yeah, Aaron's, I'm a, done. Aaron's a dick. <laughs> Sorry no, he won't. no, he won't. Chris has a great sense of humor. He'll be fine. And then, um, actually, um, some of you may know who he is. Some of you may not. If you don't, you're missing out. Um, Kurt Brown, Vandal Drummond, Hell is, on yeah. our, is on our panel this year. Is he really? Yes. Um, I'm on so, that fucking show, dude. 
No, I don't. I don't know. Everybody, everybody may or may not appear on the shows. I think Kurt will. Kurt likes to be on podcasts. Yeah, but I'm just saying when when Kurt's on a show, if he's on it, I'm on it. You ain't skipping me with Kurt. So and, I'll, I'll fucking put PTO in. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to welcome those two guys to the Hall of Fame panel and this year and looking forward to that. Like I said, the ballots are out. The inductees are being sent to me. I've gotten a few so far. Um, the cutoff for people to send me names is the 23rd of December, so we still have a while to go. <clears throat> and of course, the final tally will be in January. But that being said, we've said enough. We're going to sign off this week, and we hope you'll join us next week <coughs> for what should be a fun show talking about WWA Eruption. That being said, guys, thank you for joining for me. Listeners, thank you for listening. I'm it's a maximum. And we'll see you next week, everybody, on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Have a great week.